Greetings, horror fans, and welcome to episode 226 of Frightmares. I am your host, Austin Proctor, and joining me for the second time this month because he loves slashers is Michael Viers of the Shameless Picture Show. How you doing, buddy? I love slashers, so I hate this movie. <laughs> I know, right? I did a terrible job. I did a really terrible job. I thought I found uh, an unknown movie because like, no one's fucking heard of this, and the description kind of is misleading because mm-hmm. it talks about wanting to but, you know get fresh victims and i'm like okay it's got to be a slasher plus this is not i a have slasher. some gripes with this movie oh location okay we'll get on we'll get on that <laughs> when we get on that well and i wanted to have you on because it's you know it's 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 set in wisconsin but it's not actually in wisconsin it's fucking ontario fucking ontario it's not the same thing i mean they're close but yeah, so I was like, I gotta have you on here because you live in Wisconsin. This is mm-hmm. a Wisconsin slasher that no one's fucking heard of, except it's not a slasher. So I'm glad I picked this for fucking Slashtober. But I do think people need to know about this because this movie is pretty fucked up for its, especially for its time from 1974. And I do have a lot of problems with it, but I did enjoy it for what it was. Got a lot of psycho vibes. Got a lot of you know Ed Gein vibes because it's literally based off of Ed Gein. Um, and I love how they named the guy Ezra in the movie, and they call him Ez. I'm like, oh, wow. Amanda was talking about that, <laughs> like, what? Subtle, guys. <laughs> Fucking subtle. So we were talking about Deranged from, like I said, 1974. Not a slasher movie. So sorry that I failed everybody for this month. The, like I said, It's the, not a slasher movie, but it's a movie with slashing? They're bludgeoning. Did anyone get slashed? Someone got beat to death. I'm pretty sure it was a femur. It was a femur bone or a leg mm. bone. Um, ma- um, uh, Mary, I believe, but um, he was more the, of a shooter. The, 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 this this movie is is um, promised slashing. <laughs> yeah, the, the only movie that I can also other movie I could think of that promised something they didn't deliver was Chopping Mall. There wasn't a single chop in that movie. <laughs> yeah, all explosions and robots. So. Yeah, so the description goes, a man living in rural Wisconsin takes care of his bedridden mother, who is very uh, domineering and teaches him that all women are evil. After she dies, he misses her, so years later, so a year later, uh, he digs up her body, takes her home. He learns about taxidermy and begins robbing graves to get the materials to patch her up. And this is where it threw me off, because it says, inevitably begins looking for fresher sources of material. That led me to believe that he'd become like a slasher and start hacking women up in various ways, but he shot two of them and then bludgeoned the other one. So this doesn't meet half the rules that we set up in uh, the beginning of the month with Torso. And I even- this movie is to slash like this is a slasher in the same way that like when people are talking about slasher films and they they mention fucking Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which yeah. has slashing, I will. But it's not yeah. a slasher. Yeah, not really a slasher. Like, no. So I so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this because there's uh, the this might be the most unhinged IMDb roundup I've ever done, and I was kind of worried about that because I was like, oh man, this is a bunch of nobodies, and I have a fun, very fun fan theory about this movie that I'm so excited to talk about. So lots to talk about today. We got a lot of stuff. We got we're going to talk about Horror Hound. We're going to talk about Thirty One Days of Horror. House with the clock in its walls. So much is happening. I have three things, though, really quick up top about horror news. Um, nothing too crazy, but I did want to get it out there because I'm a fan of Saw X. I thought it was really good, and that's actually going to be releasing on 
Uh, what the fuck is PVOD? Is that paid video on demand? Is that what that's probably? Supposed? Okay. Well, or premium, premium, probably premium. premium I like that's that's way better. I like that more. Because um, like I think I think premium video on demand is like when you pay a premium. Yeah, like nineteen, like nineteen bucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, the highest I ever go for rental is like six bucks. Yeah, six ninety nine. And that's is my like, limit. and that's like if I really want to see something. Right. Yeah. It's like all right. I've been waiting on this for a minute. Because right? at that point, I'll just go to Redbox and rent it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. You can do that too. So on October 20th, the Saw X is heading to PVOD with a Blu-ray DVD and 4K release following shortly on November 21st. So you can own it physically or digitally or rent it or do whatever you want to do. The 4K transfer is going to be jam-packed with special features and delivers all that grisly goodness and eye-popping HDR10 and ear-shattering Dolby Atmos audio mix let me tell you about some of these fucking special features Wait, here. They, they couldn't spring for Dolby Vision? What the fuck? Is that? Oh, yeah, that's, that is kind of weird. Huh. Well, whatever. Yeah, if they have Dolby Atmos, why don't they have Dolby Vision? That's no, weird. No, no. Couldn't spring for, they couldn't spring for better metadata? What the Motherfuckers. fuck? So, uh, so there's some cool special features. You've got an audio commentary with director and editor Kevin Grudert, cinematographer Nick Matthews, and production designer Anthony Stanley. You've got a multi-part documentary. Um, I want to play. Yeah, yeah. I want to play a game. This time it's personal. Another time, another place. There will be blood. Leave nothing to chance. Live or die. Uh, makeup department test tra or trap test. Deleted scenes and the theatrical trailer. So I'm excited for that. I'll definitely be buying the 4K of this. Um, that, they don't stack movies like that anymore. They really don't. So to have all of that is pretty pretty solid. The, la the last major released movie that I can think of. And obviously, you know, there could be others. But the last major released movie that I remember having an actual making of documentary, not just like a three-minute puff piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was Rob Zombie's The Munsters. There is an hour and a half making of documentary. Yeah, there is. That's right. All of his movies have that. Except yeah. for Halloween 2, which is the one I want one for. Right? He has like, I think he has like a four and a half hour documentary on the first Halloween. It's like an insane amount. Yeah. It's, it's he, huge. He's got like a three and a half hour documentary on the Devil's Rejects, which is the reason I never will sell that DVD because it's the <laughs> only way you can get it. Yeah. So it's nice to see that people are still putting some, uh, some good shit on these movies. And that's only the 4K apparently. So the DVD and the Blu-ray... I don't think we'll have those because it, it says the 4K transfer is jam-packed with special features. So you might get some of the special features with the other ones, but if you want all of the goodness, get the 4K. Um, next yeah. up, I don't know if you're a fan of Buffy, but I know my wife adores Buffy, the TV show. Um, but apparently Amber Benson... I, I love the Buffy movie. Okay. You never saw okay. the show? I started watching it. I couldn't get through the first season. Yeah, I tried, and I, I just couldn't. Like, I know I heard it gets better. It's just I was struggling with that first season. Yeah. And ultimately, I, Christy Swanson is my fucking Buffy. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so Buffy the uh, Vampire Slayer went off the air in 2003, but thanks to... Was it that late? Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, it's been 20 years since it went off the air. It was 90, oh. 1997 to either 1997. Yeah, 97 to 2003. So it's been, huh. yeah, it's been a minute, but there's been tie-in novels, comic books, video games, conventions, and endless rewatches. This particular story has never felt really over. 
Um, but in one area of the Buffyverse that had not been yet expanded is that of the audio series, which makes Audible's new Slayers, that's the title, all the more exciting. Slayers, uh, semicolon, a Buffyverse story is co-written with, uh, with Buffy book author Christopher Golden and co-directed with Golden and Casey Wayland by Amber Benson, who played fan favorite character Tara in the original series and has gone on to play the popular and prolific author of the Echo Park Coven and the Calope Reaper Jones novel. So there you go. If you want to fucking catch this shit, you can catch it on Audible. Um, Benson is joined by Buffy alums Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia, James Marsters, who played Spike, uh, Juliet Landau as Drusilla, Emma Calfield Ford as Anya, Anthony Head as Giles, James Charlie Leary as a Clem, and Danny Strong as Jonathan. They are all going to be voice acting in this series. I guess Sarah Michelle so, Geller was like, fuck you guys. I don't want to be part of this or whatever. So, so what I'm surprised by is they can keep getting funding for various Buffy things, but not actually give the Buffy fans what they want. And that's like another, another yeah, another TV show or fucking at least a movie or something. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. So it's weird that, yeah, they're, they're, like, they can, they're funding comics. They've done web comics. They've done video like they're yeah. they. And they're getting a lot of the actors back, so yeah, that's like that's like I'd say like most of the original actors and actresses besides uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. So it's weird, yeah. I don't I don't know why they don't maybe try to boot up another series or you know they could continue it, start something new, maybe do another movie. Like I don't know. One thing I can think of is maybe there's a, if there's a rights issue somehow with with that's like they true around it with like other media. I don't know. It's yeah. just weird. Like I feel like everyone I know who's a Buffy fan would much rather have um, something, you know, yeah, <laughs> some sort of on screen. Yeah. So I know I have to tell my wife about that. I'm sure she'll be enthralled because she loves Buffy and would love to check out this audio book or audio series. That's a cool thing too, about audible is they, you know, they do books, but then they also do like audio, like series of like multiple episodes. It's super cool. Like audible. I think my, sh- I think my show is on audible. Is it really? I think so. Oh, I have, to, I have to see if mine is interesting. I didn't know that they did like podcasts and shit. That's cool. All right. Last thing here for horror news, because we got so much other shit to talk about. There's a new movie called Lord of Misrule, and it is in the vein of 70s folk horror. Fuck yeah. Uh, this cool. movie. Yeah. This movie transports viewers to the British countryside for a bit of hedonistic chaos. Directed, yeah, directed by William Brent Bell, who did The Boy and Orphan First Kill, two solid fucking movies. Um, Lord of Misrule follows Rebecca Holland, who was in something called Tup, Tuppence Middleton. Oh, no, that's her name. Tup, Tuppence Middleton is playing her, who has recently taken over a small town um, as a small town priest when her younger daughter, Grace, played by Evie Templeton, goes missing at a local harvest festival. A desperate search begins. The closer they edge towards finding Grace, the more secrets emerge from the ta- uh, the town's dark past. Soon Rebecca must decide just how willing she is to sacrifice to rescue her daughter from the grip of evil. I like that. Very simple. Sounds like a lot of fun. We're getting a bunch of stuff. Like, where, when evil lurks, where evil lurks, kind of has something like the similar vibe. It's like a small town where evil is just very present and wanting to take over. And I, yeah, like I like that. Small, I like small evil town movies. Yeah, I'm, I'm about that. So um, that sounds like a lot of fun. And there's a trailer out now that you can check out. It's called Lord of Misrule. That is M-I-S-R-U-L-E. Definitely sounds like it's going to be a good time. I am very excited because we just keep like 
all these movies, like, and these aren't like you know big movies. These are just kind of indie movies that are just that just keep getting dropped on us like every week. And I'm just like, man, they are really cranking out horror movies lately. Where is this one gonna be? Is this gonna be theatrical? No idea. It is. Just, there's a trailer out. Yeah, that's the only, that's the only information Fangoria had. Um, is just the trailer and some more like de- you know description on it and some commentary from the director about like how cool. they came up with the idea. So yeah, something I'm gonna keep up with because that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, that's all I really have for horror news. Like I said, there's some other shit I wanted to talk about. The first of which being a convention that you had, um, told me about, I think you had told me about the Indianapolis one, but they also yeah. do another one in uh, Cincinnati. It's called horror hound in the fucking guest list. Oh my God, Michael, there's fucking Jeffrey Combs. There's fucking Barbara Crampton. There's Ivan, Ted and Sam Raimi. There's fucking... Kate Siegel, there is Mike Flanagan. What's going on in Cincinnati? <laughs> like, holy shit, that is the that is, and they're still announcing people. They're announcing people and, all. And I think they week. also, I think like uh, from what I think I'm on their. Um, uh, um, wait, they, no, that's the wrong. They year. kind of Never have. Mind. They have two pages. They have a main horror hound, yeah. and then they have like you know, you know, Cincinnati horror hound on Facebook. Yeah, and like I, I used to. Uh, um, I used to read the magazine quite a bit. I always really liked their magazine. Um, so the horror hound, like right when the pandemic hit, right, right before the pandemic hit, I actually, um, I'm trying to remember the details. So first I was supposed to go to a horror hound and Sam Raimi was supposed to be there. And then uh, he had to drop out because he was shooting Dr. Strange too. Oh. And then it was all canceled anyways, because of the pandemic. Damn. That's a bad So, show. I wasn't able to go and because um, it was supposed to be it was supposed to be um, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi there together. Oh, dude, that's amazing. And I, I think I've already gotten to meet Bruce. Doesn't mean I wouldn't do it again. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I'd still meet him twice. Yeah. But like, this is a great lineup. And like, honestly, I could be happy with just the three Raimi brothers, the Raimi boys and uh, Mike Flanagan. I could walk away happy, but they're probably going to have some other good guests, too. So many vendors and ah, I know. I I I like. I'm supposed to do. And they text. got George Went. Fucking George. Oh Went yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just yeah. He just he got enough. What fucking horror has he been in though? Like oh, he was in House. Oh my god, he was in House. Yeah. Oh my god, I, f- I think he's been in other stuff too. But House. Whoa. And they got they got Nick Carter from the Backstreet Boys. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Like what? Have, what have you done? That's horror. What's happening? Well, they had that one music video that was super horror super. inspired. And... <laughs> yeah, they. Oh my god! Like I, ah, uh, uh, I'm supposed to do <laughs> Texas Frightmare this year, and I like I. I it's like I, not that I don't want to do that. I definitely want to do that because my buddy Mikey lives out in Texas, and it'd be cool to see him and do that. But I'm like looking at this, all these people they keep dropping. I'm like, I might have to try to convince Mikey to go to Cincinnati because I can't not meet. Barbara Crampton, Jeffrey Combs, Kate Siegel, and Mike Flanagan. I don't. I think I would pass out. I think I would legitimately just fall over and pass out. I would probably have uh, Crampton and um, Jeffrey Combs either sign my From Beyond or my Reanimator, and then I'd have Kate Siegel and Flanagan sign the you know Haunting of Hill House Blu-ray that I have. If they do that, I know you said sometimes they just have the. Uh, oh, they usually have a, where you can get your own stuff signed, but then like if you didn't bring something of your own, they always have pictures. Yeah. When it comes to, um, usually for me, I I I like autographed photos. 
Um, or I like getting VHS tapes signed. Ooh, okay, yeah, that would be cool. Um, but if I if I were to meet Barbara Crampton and Jeffrey Combs, I feel like I'd read. This is this is a weird one, but I'd want oh. them to sign uh, an H.P. Lovecraft book. Oh, that would be fun, though. Okay. Oh, and actually, at, at Horror Hound, I got to meet Stuart Gordon years ago. Oh uh, man, and he he's passed he, away. I was gonna say, unfortunately, he passed away in uh, and, 2020. Uh, we bonded over his love for Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> Are you serious? He went. I think he lived out there for a while. Oh shit! Okay, that's awesome. One of my favorite one of my favorite memories from going to a Horror Hound. I got to meet cinematographer Dean Kundi. Oh, for those of you listening who don't know Dean Kundi, he shot like Halloween. He shot The Thing, but then he also shot Jurassic Park. He shot Back to the Future. He is one of the most prolific cinematographers of all time. Didn't he also do Halloween three? Or is that? Yeah, yeah, he did one. I think he did one, two, and three. Okay, because I was yeah, I just I watched Halloween three the other day, and I remember pretty sure it was that was him. Because I was like, this is why this is one of my favorite movies. Like, this fucking cinematographer has done so much goddamn shit, and he is the man. Yeah. So th- this is this is going to be a big one. And yeah, I mean, like originally I invited you to it because I thought it would be just a great way to hang out with you. And it's it, like at least it's then it's a, it's something we both have to travel. But then like it just started becoming more and more stacked. I'm like, oh, <laughs> damn. Like, oh my god. Yeah, Dean. Yeah, Dean Cundy. He did. Uh, yeah, Halloween three. Um, yeah, Jurassic Park. Who framed Roger Rabbit? Escape from New York. Like Jesus. Uh, but yeah, they keep they they just keep dropping all these names after all these names. I'm like, okay, it just keeps getting better. I mean, you guys, they still have Thursday, Friday, Saturday because they said they were dropping them all week. And I'm like, my God, I need to get this settlement from the car accident we had last year. Maybe I could go to both conventions. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i can't believe how how but yeah it, w- it would be nice to go up there i've been to ohio once or twice when i went to a, a music festival it's a pretty boring state but i haven't been to cincinnati so and we could probably hit fucking cedar point while we were there oh my god i don't know what that is cedar point the uh fucking the theme park out there they have like 15 oh. yeah they have like 15 roller coasters it's crazy oh, i don't i don't like roller coasters no my wife does okay no, my wife does i don't like heights and going fast oh then yeah so, that's the, no definitely not roller coasters like if there was a low to the ground roller coaster that didn't go very fast like those little kitty <laughs> dragon ones i'm yeah. all for that. okay uh we'll see what happens they're gonna keep announcing shit i'm just gonna keep fucking hitting my head into the wall like ah why does it have to be in it's also literally on my birthday so march 22nd is my actual birthday i couldn't imagine meeting these people on my birthday god damn it you gotta walk around with like one of those fucking crowns it's my birthday hereditary yeah. <laughs> it's my birthday and just have a black eye black eye bloody nose look like i've been <laughs> possessed for fucking oh my god um have you been participating at all in the 31 days of a horror sir fuck no <laughs> i say it that way because one i don't have that much time in my October. uh and then two it's just like i i usually have to fit in stuff that i have to watch that's true so i i don't like my horror reviewing to feel like a chore Okay. And no, that's every fair. time I've ever tried to do 31 movies, I can't fucking do it. I've been trying to watch spooky stuff, like yeah. whether it be TV shows or whatnot, but I can't. I no, that's I'm a young at, man's game. I'm at <laughs> I'm at 45 horror movies for the month. That's pretty much all I've watched exclusively. I've watched a bunch. How of, is that different than normal? A 45 is is uh, is a lot oh, for fair. yeah. I've been watching like one to two to three a day. 
you uh, also like have a pretty low key job that allows you to watch things while you're working. Yeah, I mean, like I, I usually have something on while I'm working because like it's just I can't sit there in silence. I cannot sit in my room in silence, so I have to have, like, whether it's a TV show I've seen a million times, like The Office, or if it's just a movie, yeah, I have something going pretty much at all times, but uh, I, I watch... Wa- I think I've only watched 16 movies this entire month, not including short films that I saw at film festivals. That'd probably be close to 30 if I okay. cut all those. But... All right. Um, there was one in particular that I watched. It was that I really, really, really enjoyed. It was Dracula from 1979, and it was a Hammer film. <laughs> so good. And then I've watched a bunch of you know rewatches because I just I haven't watched the 4Ks of a lot of movies. So I've been doing like you know like Motel Hell, Fog, Fun, yeah. fun House, Creep Show, uh, you know a, a whole bunch of stuff. Some, and, some stuff I did watch. Um, what have what, what, what have I you enjoyed? Watched? Uh, well. This one is a dumb one, but I I it, it amused the hell out of me because I didn't realize I had it on VHS. Oh, okay. I have a copy of the Flintstones meet Rockula and Frankenstone. Oh shit! I didn't even know that was a movie, and I love the title. Uh, <laughs> so I watched that. Uh, I watched the Howling for the first time. That was fun. The, oh, that's right. The, oh, did you actually finish it? Yeah. How'd you like it? I liked it. I, I it was the only time I've ever seen a werewolf movie that had like usually budget is such an issue they can only have one werewolf they this had a, a fucking gaggle of a werewolves. whole colony of werewolves and the um, transformations are pretty solid yeah and yeah. then i watched a really obscure movie that most people don't remember that came on abc family called when good ghouls go bad starring christopher lloyd oh my god you just opened like a core memory from my childhood that i forgot about whoa yeah i haven't I heard watched that i have not heard that name in oh my god Okay, putting that on my list. I had I, I, I you might be able to find it on YouTube. I oh uh, shout out to Video Nerd in here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They had a copy of the VHS just laying in their dump bin okay. for free. Two thousand one. Yeah, I was gonna say. I feel like I haven't heard I haven't heard that in like fifteen years. Oh Written man, by my boy R.L. Stein and that new Goosebumps TV show is pretty fucking fire. It's pretty good which, so far. Which one is that one? There's a new Goosebumps show on Disney. Oh, oh, on oh, Disney oh yes, yes, yes. The show. I Sorry, I thought you were talking. There's a new uh, movie that R.L. Stein wrote. I can't remember what it's called. It's got like Dan Aykroyd and fucking someone else in it. Um, okay. I like these. Thank you for that reminder. That's on my watch list. I got to fucking watch it's that. it a lot of nostalgia watches. And yes. Like, I love it. That's usually like for October, I try to curate what I watch to being like nostalgia watches or like. You know, kind of like the type of shit I was talking about in that article I wrote, where just like feel good family movies from yeah. when I was a kid. Try to get that Halloween spirit. My uh, Gabby actually just showed me "Don't Look Under the Bed." Uh, yeah. yeah, for the first time, I had, I had never seen it. And I was like, "This is such a goofy, stupid movie," and I love it. <laughs> I was oh, like, now oh, you got to now it. you have to watch Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh, I love. Oh my God, yes! I was trying to think of that fucking name the other day because I was Phantom like, of the Megaplex. Yeah, I was like, the Phantom of the Something strikes again. And I was like, what is the word? Phantom of the Megaplex. Yeah, that's a classic Disney Channel movie. Phantom of the Megaplex. Oh, another one I like under wraps. Yes, that one's oh, and it's on Disney Plus. Thank God. Under wraps, yes, all these are. Going that was on the, the list. first Disney Channel original movie. Oh, okay. I love Under Wraps. The remake they did was not as good, but that mm. original one, fucking solid. All right, Under Wraps. Let's go on the list too. Nineteen ninety-seven. Let's go. And let's oh, it's, it. oh, it's not on Disney Channel. <gasps> How dare Under you? Wraps? 
How dare you not be on Disney Channel? Wait, wow, really? Wow, that's kind of fucking dumb. Let me guess, Under Wraps 2 is? You heathens! You goddamn heathens! Under Wraps 2 is, but the first one's not? Oh, wow, yeah, wow. it's not on there. This Greg is Beeman's insanity. This is bullshit. I'm going to have to track down a copy. I'm going to do it. it. Apparently, it's rentable on Amazon. All right, son of a bitch. All right, so we're <laughs> let's talk about the seven points of slashers. So um, it does meet the first one. Also, real quick, I should note that the last two movies that we reviewed technically weren't slashers by this definition because you're next. They were motivated by um, not. Well, they weren't motivated for thrill or rev- it was more for money because they were killing you know, they were killing someone for money. So it didn't really fit that, but everything else it fit. And then the other one we did, I know what you did last summer. Technically, mm. technically really isn't a slasher either because was Mikey on that episode. Yes. Cause like I, he's been talking about that movie forever. Yes. And, um, technically that one also kind of, it's not really that, you know, they kill for oh wait no wait slasher killers are killed for the thrill or for revenge oh fuck then i know what you did last summer is a slasher okay so the only one technically that we reviewed this month besides this this one that doesn't really fall under these seven rules that you know we've, we mentioned on torso was your next because um they are killing for money for you know self um greed so that one doesn't technically count but it follows all the other rules so this one deranged um, he is a human being for sure, so it fits that one. Um, slasher killers are killed to, you know, are, are chose to kill for the kill of the thrill or revenge, so it fits that one because he's definitely killing for the thrill of killing someone to help, you know, put his mom back together. Um, and he's is, I'd, I'd say at this point, he is just filled with indiscriminate evil. Body count, yeah. I mean, there's three. I think we said three or more would constitute a body count, so. Eh, maybe. I think that one falls short. Um, there's no final girl in this one. And uh, the killings aren't too graphic. But they do... Killings do happen. And so we're really like two two to three short on this one for it being a slasher. Because there's really not a body count. There's no final girl. And the killings aren't that graphic. Besides the last <laughs> one. The last kill is extremely graphic with all the blood yeah. trickling down. Oh, it was unsettling. Yeah. but And then, you know, of course... No mask. So I know what you did last summer. Didn't have a mask, but he had a unique look. You're next. They literally had masks on. You know, they were animals. Um, So this one, definitely not a slasher by any means. And we're going to get into it here now because this is... So I hadn't seen this prior to this viewing, and neither had you, correct? I hadn't even heard of this. I hadn't heard of it either. But and it's funny, too, because I found this on a list of slashers as well. And I that when I went to look up the description, I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like it could it, it would be a slasher. So I, I, I got confused when I saw this on a slasher list. But, I mean, two out of the three kills, he uses a fucking gun. So that's not very slasher-esque unless you're Art the Clown and, you know, just randomly pop out a gun from for no reason to subvert the horror expectations. But this is Deranged from 1974, released on March 6th of that year in the U.S., Rated R for mild sex and nudity, severe violence and gore. There's no profanity, mild alcohol, drugs and smoking, and severe, frightening and intense scenes coming in in an hour and 24 minutes. Great fucking runtime. You're in and you're out. There's really not a lot of downtime. Listed as a drama horror thriller. Now, when I told you this is one of the most unhinged IMDb roundups I've ever done, 
I truly mean it because the people involved in this, I was worried like, ooh, are these going to be like even people that did anything? Let me tell you here, because it's directed by a man named Jeff, Jeff Gillen, who literally only directed this movie. That is it. But he was also the Santa Claus in A Christmas Story. Yeah. What the fuck? It just How gets, fucking insane is that? It gets crazier. Also directed mm -hmm. by Alan Ormsby, who only directed three things, one of which being Popcorn from 1991. Fucking awesome movie. Love that movie. Um, he also He's, wrote... What's that? Yeah, but he was a screenwriter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He also wrote Cat People, which I just watched for my 31 Days of Horror. That movie's fucking bananas. Um, he also wrote Popcorn, and he's credited with additional story material on Mulan, the Disney movie Mulan. Yeah. What? And also on top of that, <laughs> on top of that too, like what? he also wrote Porky's Two, which is fucking wild to me. And he he he, it's uncredited according to IMDb, but he he worked on Bob Clark's. Shouldn't the no, children shouldn't play of dead things? See, I didn't include that because I didn't. I knew who Bob Clark is, but I didn't know what that was. That a movie? Yeah, it was like okay. Bob Clark's first movie. Oh, okay, okay. And I and I totally forgot to put Porky's two on there. That was my bad. Okay, that, oh, yeah. but th this IMD roundup gets even weirder. Oh yeah, because here here we go. Don't worry, it keeps getting weirder. Um. So yeah, written by. Do -do 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 -do. Oh yeah, I already did that. So produced by two people. One of which stood out to me, Bob Clark. He directed Black Christmas, A Christmas Story. And I'm so, this makes me like want to hurl. Baby Geniuses, the guy who directed Black Christmas fucking directed Baby Geniuses and the sequel. What the fuck is yeah. happening? What? I don't. He, he, he also made two of the most iconic Christmas movies of all time. Yeah. And two very different. Like Very different. <laughs> yeah. What is going on with this man? Composed by Carl Zittrer. Um, who also composed Black Christmas Prom Night, Porky's One and Two, and A Christmas Story. So all these all these fucking people worked on A Christmas Story together. So fucking bizarre. Um, yeah. Cinematographer by Jack McGowan, who only did nine other movies, one of which being The Great Masquerade. Did he do anything else that I'm missing? Did he do the Bob Clark movie that you mentioned? Oh, uh, let me take a look. I just took. A, I just. I just used his uh, top credit from IMDb because I didn't see anything else Let's so see. jack mcgowan yeah he shot children shouldn't play okay. dead things there you go so yes he also helped with he that. also shot the intruder i was gonna oh, put not, that it's not, it's not that intruder Never yeah mind. Th that's why i didn't put it on there because i was like wait a second i don't know that intruder i know i know the intruder or maybe it's just intruder from 1989 with the one with uh, uh ted raimi sam raimi right yeah yeah that one yeah that's the one i thought it was and i was like wait no that's the intruder i think that's different there, there's some more craziness in these credits too oh i'm getting there yep don't worry and if i miss anything i, I i'm ready for you to come in with the fucking knowledge i could not find an editor on this i more went to than likely because it looks like alan ormsby did so much on this film he might have i it. wouldn't be surprised if he was also the editor because okay. he also worked on the makeup team um, he did a lot, so I would not be okay. surprised if Alan Ormsby just uncredited cut this film. Yeah, because I looked on IMDb, I looked on Wikipedia, and I looked on Google, couldn't find anything. Now, I think the coolest thing about this movie, in my opinion, is the fact that Tom Savini did, yeah, yeah is in the makeup department, and this is actually his very first credit for the makeup department. So that's yeah. fucking so cool. And the so effects cool. were pretty fucking good in this movie, yeah. so... So that's amazing. That was his first. And if you don't know who Tom Savini is, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Go look him up. Um, he's done so much shit. 
And I, I thought that was funny because I, I could have sworn for the longest time that his first credit was for fucking Friday the 13th and from 1980. But no, six years prior, he was working on The Ranged. So starring or is there, was there anything else you wanted to mention before I got to cast? Was there anybody else? Because uh, I, I, I know. Yeah, that's I think that's everything okay. I would mention. All right. Well, we've got starring Robert Blossom as Ezra Cobb. Greatest who, name ever. Very, very awesome name. Um, he was also in Escape from Alcatraz as Chester Doc Dalton, and he was Madman Marley from Home Alone. Now, let me enter in my fun fan theory here, because I'm going to go into spoilers real quick, just because we're already in spoiler territory. But at the end of the movie, he doesn't get caught. He doesn't get killed. They just say he burnt, like people burned his house down. So there is no saying on like oh he lived or he died my fan theory is because this was set in wisconsin in milwaukee he no it wasn't milwaukee yeah it's milwaukee no it's not it says that in the i uh, in the letterbox summary it says uh, oh they they but in the in the open well they might sit in the letterbox summary but one i can tell you this looks nothing like milwaukee oh sorry two, sorry R- rural wisconsin my bad yeah rural, but say yeah because they, they they give it a fake name he's the you know the the um Whatever the journalist's name is, he gave it. He called it. He called him the butcher of something. Oh, a so Plainfield, Plainfield, or something like that. Well, Plainfield is the real location Edkin killed people. But. Oh, then yeah, something else. Okay, so it's so, but whatever. It's set in Wisconsin, right? So Wisconsin yeah. and in Chicago, where Home Alone was set, are are incredibly close. They're like neighbors. They butt up to each other. My fan theory is. This is where the rumors start of this man doing all these heinous crimes. He decides to get out of town, but doesn't want to go too much further because he likes the cold. He likes the area. So he just goes down to Chicago, parks up next to the McAllisters, and, you know, people just have heard things about him. That's my fan theory. This is the upbringing of Marley's crazy backstory. I just think that's fun. I like to live in that world. Yeah, I was thinking that too when we were watching. They're like, oh, man grows a beard and no one ever notices him ever yeah, again. Yeah, they just they just hear whispers and and things. Um, so we've got Cassette Lee as Ma Cobb. This was her top build credit, although she was in something called Change of Mind as Angela Rowe. Don't know what that is. Um, we've got Leslie Carlson as Tom Sims, who was also in Videodrome as Barry Convex. Then we've got what's up? No, I was agreeing with you. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So that's a good one. And then Robert Warner as Harlan Coots, who was also in Black Christmas as Doctor. <laughs> and this is my favorite credit ever. Marcy Diamond as Jenna Coots, who was also in Black Christmas as Woman. <laughs> and then you also have Marion Waldman, who played. Uh, uh, for a lack of a better term, the fat woman that they kept referring to, oh, yeah. um, Maureen. She played. She played Mrs. Mac in Black Christmas. Oh shit! The, the housewoman. She's like Claude, you asshole. Yeah. Okay. As soon as she started talking, it's like I know this woman. Yeah, Maureen. Maureen Selby. What a fucking name. What a name. So yeah, most bizarre IMDb roundup I've I've ever done. Estimated budget of $200,000. Couldn't find a gross. Filmed in Ontario, Canada, not rural Wisconsin. You lying Ooh. fucks. You can watch this on Tubi. Um, movies that came out around the same time, not much. It was 74. Blazing Saddles, The Great Gatsby, Herbie Rides Again, and The Three Musketeers. Can I mention something, too? Sure. Uh, what I think is really interesting. So this movie came out in, like, what, March of 74 or something like that. 
Mm -hmm. It predates Texas Chainsaw Massacre by like a couple months. Yep, predates Texas Chainsaw, predates Black Christmas. Just barely. Which I only mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacres because there's definitely some Texas Chainsaw Massacre feels in this movie. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, which is funny that you, that you have two movies that kind of have the same. Yeah, I, I really got Psycho and Texas Chainsaw out of this movie. Those are the two well, movies. Yeah, Two movies that were loosely inspired off of Ed Gein, so it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So um, specific horror moments, did you have one? 100%. Oh, let's go. My, it was um, uh, it was when the character of Mary, who was the um, the uh, bartender at that or the waitress at that bar. Yes. When she wanders into his house and she wanders into uh, the mother's bedroom and behind her, you see all these bodies Ooh, yeah. that have been propped up. And then <laughs> how well Ezra's hidden underneath one of those bodies in a like a, a, a human suit. Yeah. Just some flesh laying over his face. That was like just <laughs> fucking nightmare fuel. I like that. Yeah, that was uh, that was almost mine. But uh, mine was Maureen's kill because they're like going to have sex. And then he gets those flashes of his mother like, you know, oh, syphilis and gonorrhea or whatever. And then he just pulls out a gun and takes a pillow, puts it over her face and just goes. Koosh, koosh. And I sat there. I was like. Yeah. Oh my god! Like sobering. Yeah, I was like, "Whoa, okay." Um, do you have a favorite kill? Um, not really. Like, I yeah. guess if I had to pick one, just because I thought it was, um, I guess my favorite kill would probably be. I, I pick it just because I, I'm amused by it more than anything. Um, when uh, he kills the hardware store girl <laughs> with the fucking rifle, which should have like blast out the back of her head yeah i'm pretty sure she got shot in the face and she's still sort like living yes yeah, so i guess i can't even count that as a kill because it was a fake kill yeah because then he cuts yeah. her up later so yeah my favorite kill was mary just because i'm pretty sure she got beat to death with a femur and that's fucking hilarious yeah. that is hilarious that is very comical um i didn't really have a favorite character or least favorite character but i sure as fuck had a favorite line okay what was your favorite line <laughs> so it's ma her character, and uh, she's talking about Maureen and how she can only trust her. So she says, quote, Maureen is the only woman I ever did trust. She's fat, that's why. A big heifer, but she's the only good-hearted woman I ever knew. As for the rest of them, they're a lot of filthy black old sluts with pus-filled sores that... And then she starts to gasp. I was like, oh boy, you you trust her because she's fat? What does that even mean? What what is the correlation there? What I have no clue. <laughs> well, I was like, okay. Um, I I don't know if I have a favorite line. The line that makes me laugh the most though is when he was like, "Sorry, sorry for calling you a hog, mama." Oh yeah. <laughs> when he when he, after he bear, uh, unburies her from the ground, it's like, yep. "Sorry about that, mama." All right, IMDb mama. summary here. This is from IMDb. Uh, a deranged uh, rural farmer becomes a grave robber and murderer after the death of his possessive mother, whose corpse he keeps, among others, as his companion in, in a decaying farmhouse. Yeah, if I would have gone to that fucking description, I would have been like, that's not, a, that's not a slasher movie at all. Probably should have done that, but I trusted Letterboxd too much. That's my fault. Um, so Famous last words. Fucking yeah, now we'll be going to check both. I did really enjoy, though, how this was set up as like a docudrama. I did not expect that because you have, I can't remember his fucking name, but he comes on screen and he's like, 
this is a retelling of the the crazy murders that happened here years ago and this is not for the faint of heart so if you know if you can't handle it like don't watch it i was like oh and he's like the narrator slash kind of like mm-hmm. yeah i had no did like did you did you expect that at all because i i never saw that no coming. no i i wasn't expecting that at all and it's actually probably one of the things that i liked the most yes and if anything i wish they would have um stuck with it a little bit more yeah, because they eventually uh, kind of cut it out at one point about like 45 minutes in. They, they don't really go back to it until like the ending, which I found weird. Yeah, yeah. Like it, they, they, they kind of continue with it for a while. And, there's, and it's really well done at times where like um, Ezra walks through a scene and then like the, the uh, you know, reporter guy is there. Like it's just the way they incorporated it. It just I wish they would have had a little more follow through with it. Yeah, there was. Yeah, there was a really good scene because he was. So you, he, the, the narrator kind of comes out of a, into a hallway and, um, Ezra's on the right and he walks down the hallway. And then as he gets to the end of the hallway in the kitchen, Ezra's in that scene reading the paper. And I was like, Oh, that was a really fun little transition you did there. And even, um, in the beginning of the movie, he, I think when either his mom has died and he brought her back and he sets that little skull on the edge of her bed, the narrator kind of just like comes and sits down at the edge of the bed and like looks into the camera. So Mm -hmm. I really thought that was cool because I mean, I'm sure there have been movies similar to that. You know, I know, you know, Alfred Hitchcock kind of introduced his movies, but I couldn't think of a movie and uh, another movie in that time period that utilized this kind of like docudrama. You know what I mean? You have Texas Chainsaw, mm-hmm. but that was just a narration at the beginning. And it was just yeah. like, these are the crazy events that happened in summer of, you know, 73 and or whatever. Usually when, usually when a movie will do this, they'll do something, say, more in line with... Um... You know the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, where they're do, like re- creating like fake archival footage or yeah, whatever, which is a little different. So yeah, to have this guy kind of telling you what's going on and giving you some insight into this character, and then you have you know you have the movie itself. I thought that was a very nice touch. That is definitely one of my favorite things about this. If it didn't have that, I mean, I still would have liked it, but that really added to like the realism of the story because even the even the text on screen. It says, uh, it's like, quote, the motion picture you're about to see is absolutely true. Only the names and locations have been changed. Always love when a movie does that. I love that. It just adds this little, like, ooh. It's especially interesting, too, just coming from, you know, living in Wisconsin. The stories of Ed Gein and Jeffrey Dahmer are very well documented. Every Everyone who knows, who lives here, knows these stories sometimes to a detriment where they're so ingrained into our lives that you don't even sometimes even know all know everything. Hmm. Like for example, as a kid, you go to, you go to a friend's house, someone new, someone you never met before. Um, did your parents ever tell you to be careful who you're hanging out with? So you don't get turned into a lamp. No, no, that is the thing. That was a con. That was a very common joke as a kid in Wisconsin. It was more like don't hang out with the wrong kids, you might get into drugs. Not not no, tur- not for us, turned it's into- like careful who you're hanging out with so you don't get turned into a lamp. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh so wait, wait. And here I just thought this was a thing that people said. So wait, I know Ed no. Gein was from Wisconsin, but uh mm-hmm. Dahmer was too? Yes. Whoa, I didn't know He's that. He's from Milwaukee. Yeah, we we oh. are the land of serial killers. Whoa. He's from Milwaukee. Okay. Um, yeah, I knew the, uh, you can the hotel that he took some of his victims to is still there. Oh my god. I I am I'm I'm assuming that that room has been closed off forever or can you rent it like a sicko? Okay, no, no, yeah. 
Oh man, that's cr- that's fucking crazy. So yeah, this movie is obviously heavily heavily based on Ed Gein, and it shows you know he he goes around even, even dumb details. Like there's a lot of things that they changed, which bother me. Like for example, what in, in this and, movie? Yes. Okay, go ahead. Me and Amanda, me and Amanda were talking about this. Most of his victims were older. Like so, he really did kill the hardware. The woman who ran the hardware store in the store in. in uh real life she was like 50 something oh okay making her like a teenager just feels the story is skeezy enough and it makes it feel even more skeezy or um you know um the woman the bartender he kills was also like around 50 and they made her like 30 something so it's it like it took an already skeezy story and just hmm. honestly made it an ex- exploitation film yeah um but yet they have weird details that are strangely correct. Okay. Like in this movie, Ed Gein got caught or Ezra, whatever, got Ezra Cobb got caught because he was the last one in the store and he bought some antifreeze. Mm-hmm. That's what happened to Ed Gein. They, oh, they, he, he had the last receipt. Uh, the last <laughs> receipt for the store was for him for buying antifreeze. That is that is what happened. And that's how why they wandered up to his house. Whoa, okay. But yeah, so like it's weird that they change some things, but then keep things some things like weirdly fucking accurate. Yeah, I'm only assuming that they change the women just to kind of sexualize them for the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is um, you know gross. Yeah, that's that's gross. Because yeah, they then the reporter literally says she was 34 years old, and even some would say she's slightly over the hill. So I was like, maybe that was kind of a the kind of a jab at like she should be older than she I don't know. Um, that is very weird. So he got caught because of having the last receipt of, did he shoot the girl in the store too? Did that really happen? Um, I don't know all the details there, but I do know the woman who, who owned the hardware store was married to the sheriff. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) So that you done (laughs) fucked up. Yeah. You done fucked up on that one. Goodness. So, uh, and you, you know, you're kind of meant to sympathize with this character too, in, in a way because of the scrutiny, his mother, was put under because you know his father died when he was 10 him and his mother worked for 15 years on the farm by themselves then his mom had a stroke and he took care of her for 12 years while she was bedridden and by the time all of that you know by the time his mom died he was like in a state of psychosis uh that like you're never going to come back from so you kind of meant to sympathize with him in the beginning and as the movie goes on you're like all right you're just clearly missing your mom in a very weird way that you want to have her in the house and put her back together. It's, it's almost like very maniac esque, except instead of scalps that he's putting on these mannequins, it's skin on, you know, just, and it's funny too. Cause he's like, I need, I need fresh skin to put on mom. And I'm like, that skin's going to deteriorate too there, pal. I don't know what your, I don't know what the end goal is here, but it seems yeah. very weird. So yeah, he just never got over the death of his mother and he just had to hold on for dear life to oh, to that. The death of his mom when he's like giving her the soup and then she starts puking oh. blood. I remember saying to Amanda, that's not how soup works. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, soup scene from uh, uh, fucking shit, Peter Jackson, um, uh, Dead Alive, when they're eating the soup and that guy's yeah. ear falls off into the soup. I was like, Ugh. yeah. It's not how soup works. Yeah. So, um, also, I find it in- incredibly ridiculous that Ezra had no idea what obituaries were. Was he fucking with that guy? Because he's like, you don't, <laughs> you don't know what obituaries are. I'm like, dude, you're like sixty. How do you not know what an obituary is? And then, I know. Yeah, and then that's what he uses. And then, and then, and then he's like, well, you you wouldn't need everything. Just. 
take the pieces that you need. And they're like, oh, Ezra. Oh, Ezra. Yeah, and he makes more jokes like that throughout. The, he's like, I wish you wouldn't make jokes like that. He's like, I'm just kidding. I'm like, but are you? I like, He might be my favorite character because of how fucking oblivious that man is. The neighbor. So oblivious. So goddamn just completely. Oh, my God. His speech later on in the movie where he's like, when him and his wife are trying to push Ezra into like meeting a woman and oh, he's God. like you need to be you need to be married and that's what that's what Ma says and that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, and yeah. you're just like, uh, and he's like, I don't trust women. The only woman I trust was my mom and maybe uh, Maureen, uh, Maureen Selby. And then that whole fucking seance scene that happened. Oh I was my like, god, the the Maureen Selby sequence was insanity. <laughs> pure chaos they she because you know selby has the the dead husband and she's like oh i talk to him too all the time and ezra's like no nah, i really i like i like legitimately talk to my dead mom you know like I, i'm she's like no, no I, I love when when maureen admits it and then he looks at her like she's nuts yeah he's like you're nuts <laughs> like i don't actually talk to him from beyond like my mom's you know he's he's convinced that his mom is at his house you know, yeah. hanging out with him, and then the whole seance scene that they have, where she's like, <laughs> "Actually, I changed it. That's my favorite line from the movie." Oh, when what? He's, when he's talking to, um, um, I think the neighbor, and he's like, or he's talking to someone, and he's like, uh, you know, she she's a real good girl, but I don't think she's all the way there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. I like that one. Yeah, the neighbors are fucking hilarious. Like, they're so oblivious to everything, and they just, they don't, they're just, I don't think they're all there, if I'm being quite honest. They're definitely no. missing some screws loose. So, yeah. Um, yeah, when when Selby was talking, like, as Herbert, and he was like, you need to have sex with my wife. Make her feel like a woman. I'm like, this is so weird. What's happening in this scene? Uh, that, and I love that he starts responding. He's like, "Yes, I'm, sir." He, yes, I'm. And then yeah, they go to do it, and then it gets visions of his mom, like all the whores and the prostitutes and gonorrhea. I'm like, "Oh God, craziness!" So even though that you know you're supposed to trust Selby, yeah, and then he shoots her in the face twice. That was so upsetting. Oh my God. Um, but yeah, then he starts to seek out women, like uh, kind of in companionship, and that's when he finds Mary. And I think one of my favorite, just kind of funny scenes is when. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't drink, but he, uh, Mary convinced him getting shit faced. Yeah. And he's like, Mary, Mary, <laughs> <laughs> for Mary. knocking back whiskey yeah. sours. He had like three or four whiskey sours, just screaming Mary. And she's like, all right, tough guy. It's time to get out of here and go home. And he eventually stalks her down and brings him to his fucking house of horrors. Oh my God. Fucking crazy movie. I mean. So I mean, overall, like, what are your just kind of like opinions? Like, like how 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 did you enjoy it, or did you not enjoy it? You know, like, because I'm I'm kind of I don't it, know. It's hard. Like, I I th like. So if you look at similarly budgeted uh, exploitation films, yeah, drive-in movies, that's what this is. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of filmmaking craft behind it. Um, uh, there's some. Like I said, the way that they 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 utilize the narrator, um, that cat and mouse sequence near the end with um, uh, the the clerk who works at the uh, hardware store when she's in the woods and everything that's all super well done, really yeah. tense. Mm -hmm. uh, the deaths in this weren't um, sensationalized; they're actually really upsetting. Yeah, and there's like um, so there's a, there's a lot of really interesting craft. And then like Robert's blossom is incredible in this movie. He is um, fantastic at playing a Looney tune. Oh my God. But 
all of this to say, I'm sitting here like, what's the point of this? Um, right. And then, you know, because not saying you can't follow a character you don't like. It can be done. It's done well. But if, for me, I guess it's it's less uh, a character piece where you're following a, a, a terrible human being feels less sensationalized when it's a made up character. Mm-hmm. Like you're following Travis Bickle in, in Taxi Driver. I know this person's not real. Right. There's probably people out there like him, but he, this is not a real person. We are. I don't care what they say. You know, they, they can say, oh, it's not Ed Gein. They kept enough of Ed Gein's story in this that it's it's Ed Gein. Yeah, it, um, it is. And it's like, I don't know if I want to sit here and feel sympathy for Ed Gein. Um, and then just like the sensationalist aspects that they did add to aging down uh, his victims. And ultimately, I just uh, I, I don't necessarily like and this is coming from, like I said, a, a, a horror movie fan. But horror movies are, are fictionalized. I don't like the idea of sitting with this real person and trying to get to the bottom of why he's like this mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, making him our lead character. He's not our hero, but he's the person. I don't like the idea of taking people who were real, vil- real, real victims and um, making them just body count. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. It feels weird to, yeah, it, feel, it feels completely weird to do an, a movie that's based on Ed Gein and, and you kind of make you feel sorry for him in the beginning and because you're like, this is a real guy who did like awful fucking things. So yeah, it is weird to base it off of someone who was real and have a lot of completely similar plot points to what really happened. So yeah, it, but it's weird because I, I do like based on true stories and in other instances, but I just don't think this one really necessarily worked except for the you know the the reporter well, and guy, then, and I feel like you can do based on real stories, like something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, did like this is based on tr- true events, or Fargo did it, and it's just like they're just taking a kernel of the idea, right? This just felt like they're telling Ed Gein's story, which changing the name, yeah, it, it, yeah, to Ez instead of Ed. Like, so they didn't yeah. they didn't change it enough to make me feel like it's a fictionalized story. Um, but also what this comes down to, I'm just not a big fan of true crime for this reason. Okay. okay. Um, um, there, don't get me wrong. There's stuff involved in the true crime world that I do find interesting, but it all comes down to perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and the victims are usually the, the perspective that no one seems to be, I don't want to say no one that's unfair to say, but a lot of these creators are less interested. They always want to get to the inside the mind of the killer yeah. instead of like focusing on, these people yeah i i totally agree and that's kind of why i'm on the fence about how i feel about this because while i feel it was a very well told story i liked the camera work i, I love the performances it's just like uh, it's hard to want to yeah. rate. it's hard to want to rate I, this well you know i haven't really rated it yet because i've been on the fence about it like I, I think just I, I where my heart's telling me is it's like two and a half. Yeah, I'm 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 between a three and a three and a half, and the only reason I would sway it to a three and a half is the uh, just the narrative of the reporter that I that I really enjoyed. But yeah, I'm 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 haven't rated it yet either, so I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll figure it out here in the next few minutes. But this yeah. is a frightmare certified. We don't know. We don't know. Question mark. <laughs> uh. So yeah. It's definitely a pretty, it's it's pretty gruesome. Like the it's not it's not a feel good movie. It's not even like a ooh this is just fucked up. You're like, this is fucked up. <laughs> like damn they yeah, they, they like, really went there. Wrong, I, 
And like you can, there's like gruesome, fucked up horror movies that I enjoy, and there's also like fun horror movies. This was just, I just couldn't figure out the point of it. Right, and I find it kind of felt a little dirty after I was like, "Oh, I need a shower." Mm-hmm. So, but I definitely still wanted to talk about it because it's like it's a movie that neither of us had even fucking heard of. It had been like buried for a while. I actually have some trivia on why like no one has heard of it but yeah it's just gonna kind of be a question mark for now i'll probably just i'll 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 give it a rating at the end but it'll still it'll be more of like uh this might be what it is so um any closing thoughts final arguments uh no no okay i like that easy and done so let's move on to some post review shit here taglines this tagline is fucking ridiculously long and i don't get it um Pretty Sally May died a very unnatural death, question mark, dot, dot, dot. But the worst hasn't happened to her yet, uh, uh, ex- exclamation point, deranged, the confessions of a necrophile. What? That's a weird tagline. Thank you, IMDb. Yeah. That's something. <laughs> something. Uh, trivia, Tom Savini once said in an interview that the corpses in the film were made use, uh, using human skull plastic model kits, which were glued to bodies made of chicken wire and painted cotton. The corpses' faces were created by taking plaster casts of various relatives of the crew members, including producer Tom Carr's wife. Hmm. Um, uh, director Bob Clark, who had previously directed the horror films uh, Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things and Dead of Night with Alan Ormsby and Jeff Gillen, was originally approached to direct this film. However, this is what I don't find to be real. However, Clark felt its script was way too disturbing for his taste, so he opted to co-produce it, um, though it's uncredited. Is Black Christmas not disturbing at all? Like, uh, like that's- Maybe it's the same things we were talking about. Maybe it just was too close to... That's not, fair. I don't want to say too close to home, but like... That's fair. Yeah, I would like, just... Yeah, it's just too fucking weird for me. I just thought it was funny. I'm like, fucking Black Christmas is so fucked up. Um, before the release of the film Ed Gein in 2000, this was the most accurate media portrayal of the story of Ed Gein at the time. I can believe that. Uh, based on a true story of Wisconsin grave robber, murderer Ed Gein, he was not a true serial killer, nor did, nor did he cannibalize, cannibalize any of the corpses he stole. He just made fucking furniture out of them. He made a belt out of nipples. Oh my god. Which I when we were because Amanda was researching oh, him as we were watching wow. this, and I was like, that's a lot of nipples. I've got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? That is crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is crazy. That is a lot of nipples. I mean, I'm like a 42 waist. That's like, that's like 42 nipples. Oh my god, that's too many nipples. I'm yeah, saying nipples too many times. I have to stop. Um, <laughs> so yeah, here we go. The film had disappeared since its original uh, original release in 1974 and was believed to be lost for many years. However, it was rediscovered in Florida in the mid nineties and released a home video by its distributor, American international productions, parent company, Metro Goldwyn Mayer. So that's fun. And apparently in order to achieve the R rating from the motion picture association of America, several sequences in it were either truncated or cut entirely among these scenes, included an extended murder sequence involving Mary, as well as a protracted dissection sequence in which Ezra mutilates a corpse. I'd love to see the unrated version and uh, cameo. Alan Ormsby is the picture of Maureen Selby's dead husband. So he, 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 he is Herbert. <laughs> oh, I love that picture. Uh, goofs, nothing I could find. Rated 6.4 on IMDb, 3.3 on Letterboxd, 40% on the tomato meter, and a 50% audience score. I'm going to give this, I'm just going to go ahead and say three. I'm just going to put it middle, you know, kind of middle of the road. I liked it, but I didn't like it enough. I didn't think it was bad, but I didn't think it was great. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go three. 
You're gonna, okay. You're gonna, you're gonna stick I'm probably with, gonna stick with two and a half. All right, two and a half. Similar movies according to so this is a Frightmare certified fucking boink. I don't know. Um, similar movies according to Letterbox. We have Ed Gein from 2000. Don't go in the house. Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974. Maniac and Ed Gein again from 2007. Similar movies according to IMDb. We've got Pieces 2000 Maniacs, which I had no idea because I know 2001 Maniacs. Didn't know that was a sequel. Are You Alone in the Dark, Motel Hell, and Color Me Blood Red. I really could not find like any good review. All the reviews I kept finding were like paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs. So I have like three, I think. I've got a couple. All right. Um, let's see. So yeah, a couple of mine also involve old man Marley. Four stars from Jack Attack. I choose to believe this is the real old man Marley backstory, and I have to agree because I was thinking the same thing before I found these found these reviews. What do you have? Am I hardcore? Nope. Made it to the funeral scene and had to nervously fumble for the booper to switch the prick off. The booper? Okay. The booper. And that was by MJH666. He gave it one star. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, Mazen Mazen Kaiser? Mazen Kaiser? Four stars. This mom makes Mrs. Bates look like a classy lady. All right, this one's from Dalton. He gave it one star. Oh no! This movie fucks, but this movie also sucks. Ha! <laughs> wow. Okay. Damn. All right, four stars from Justin Liberty. Old man Mark. Oh, I know. I know him. Do he you really? Vinegar syndrome. Oh well, there you go. Uh, shout out Justin Liberty. Oh, uh, four stars. Old man Marley has always been a creep. Really great use of wigs. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's um, all I had. This one uh, from Jacob Dubs. He gave it a star and a half and a heart. Oh, wow. That's interesting. It's trashy retro garbage, but super entertaining. Every time the trench coat narrator showed up, it killed me. <laughs> uh, all right. You had any more? Two stars from Cameron. Could have been more deranged, honestly. <laughs> I kind of, and that's another reason I kind of am at a three because I'm like, I was expecting this to be, you know, because I did the write up sheet before I watched the movie and I was like, oh, they, they had to like cut it down to be an R rated movie. I'm like, this isn't really that fucking crazy. All right. Here's the last one I got. This, All right. This is by Devil's Armpit. Two stars. Are you sure that's the best picture you have of Herbert? <laughs> <laughs> fucking Alan Ormsby, you son of a yeah. bitch. You son of a bitch, Alan Ormsby. Oh, my goodness. All right, Michael, where can people hear the sultry sound of your voice on your podcast? Well, real quick before we wrap up. Oh, what's up? Don't we want to talk about a house of a clock in its walls? Oh, shit. I totally forgot about that. Uh, I just want to know what you thought of it. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I gave it a four out of five. I thought it was fucking awesome. I never saw that story coming. Uh, at all, it was so much more intricate than I ever could th- uh, could think. And uh, I, the kid, I can't remember what he. I know the kid's from a few things. Um, I think he's from Daddy's Home too, and he's hilarious. And of course, Jack Black and Kate uh, Blanchett, and, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, it, it, the movie's just so goddamn delightful. It is such a delight, and yeah, it really gets you into just. It's like a perfect like. All right, I'm in spooky mood, or I want to be in the spooky mood. Let's throw this on. It was a goddamn delight. Four out of five. Yeah, oh, yeah four out of five all day long. I've just been loving being able to introduce that movie to people. Yeah, no, and it's funny because I had heard about it for ages. I just, it's one of those movies I just never saw. I don't know. But yeah, and, so, well, because people hear Eli Roth kids movie, they're like, what? 
Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, so it's, it's like Rob Zombie the Monsters. I'm like, what? Let's eat, let's do it. But yeah, I just never watched it. But yeah, as a goddamn delight. I'm gonna have to show that to Gabby because it was just it's just so fun. I, think, and I don't know her very well, but I think she would love it. Yeah, I think she would too because it's just a fun, lighthearted, goofy, like and it's like hilarious. Like Jack Black is fucking great in that. I mean, of course it's Jack Black, but the pairing of Kate Blanchett and Jack Black with that kid, I was like, this is this is like the cutest little fucking family that I would love to be real, but I know it's a movie and it's fictional. So yeah, yeah, but no. Fucking solid. Fucking solid I'm glad movie. you liked it. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching that every year, multiple times a year. So, yeah. So, go watch House of the Clock and its Walls. And also, go listen to Michael's podcast, where you can be found at... Uh, pretty much <laughs> Shameless Picture Show uh, everywhere. Actually, yes. I'm Shameless Picture Show on TikTok. But I am I think I'm going to... I'm starting to slowly get rid of the Shameless Picture Show. Insta- I don't like keeping up with so many extra pages. Yeah, I, I, I get um, you. So... You can find me at Michael underscore Vyers pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm Shameless Picture Show on TikTok. Uh, follow me, and then you'll know what's going on with the show. Because my the Shameless Picture Show pages don't get any traction. I get all the traction. Yeah, you and yeah, and, and the TikTok's getting some traction too, which is great. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Slasher app, Frightmares Podcast. Email is com. Follow me personally on Letterboxd at Dr. Proctor. You are Vyers 10 2008. Um, you remembered. Yes. And our bonus episode, which will be released some point, I think it'll be released on. Halloween, yeah, on Halloween, that's ten thirty one. Is going on my to, anniversary. Yes, it, yes, is going to be a uh, Halloween sequel. So enjoy figuring out which one it's going to be because there's only fucking twelve of those. Ha <laughs> ha. That's right, motherfuckers. All right, until until then, stay tuned and stay spooky. <laughs>